Thank you, everybody. Oh, look who's here. All of a sudden, at the moment of need, he arises with cowboy boots on. Yeehaw! All right. Uh, everybody, please turn in your Bible to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29. Jeremiah 29. Madam. We are going to read verses 10 through 13. Thus says the Lord, after 70 years be accomplished. I like that. 70 years be accomplished. And Babylon I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and you'll seek me, and you'll find me, when you search for me with all your heart, and I will be found of you, says the Lord. You know, this is a, this is a culmination and a combination of many different themes and concepts. And often we are prone to cherry pick a phrase out of what I just read, or a, uh, a sentence. I know I'm guilty of it. One of my favorite verses is, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, thoughts of peace, not of evil, give you an expected end. In fact, I have that on a little uh, plaque at my house, and I see it every morning. I love that. I love that verse. And um, I know that perhaps... One of the things that I just read is a, is a favorite phrase that you have quoted in many different segments of your life. It's good. That's a beautiful thing about the Word of God. But when you put all of these together, um, I think that we see a glorious depiction of how God moves in His timetable and in his ways. And each of these fit together in this great tapestry of what God intends to do. Uh, Jeremiah had a very uh, unique ministry. Many call him the weeping prophet because he seems to be up and then down. But we have to give him a bit of acknowledgement in that he was placed at a terrible time in the history of the people of God. And um, he was prophesying about the demise of the kingdom. He was prophesying about Babylonian captivity. He was prophesying in this passage about the accomplishment of 70 years. And 
he uh, he was really in a in a in a trying moment. I think in many ways we're in a trying moment right now, and I think that's obvious. We may not be going into Babylonian captivity, but we are certainly going into mystery Babylon in a way that is beyond anything the world has ever known. I, um, I so many times as I think about our country, I think about the scenarios that are happening across our country and our, and our political landscape and in the, the mindsets of the people, I feel in many ways like Jeremiah. I, I guess you probably do too where you love the nation, you love the blessing that God has given you, you love the, uh, the heritage, you love the many good things that have been done here, but then you recognize this can't go on for long. Now, there's a judgment coming, and we can't escape it. And if anybody thinks you can, well, then just tear out the passages of Scripture that speak about that judgment. They're there. They're readily seen. So, in many ways, I feel that Jeremiah and, and you and me have a lot of things in common. Now, I'm not pronouncing doom and gloom. What I'm talking about is, is something that um, is really exciting. We, we can see the great promises that God has spoken over the times we're living in and are coming into. Uh, we also cannot fail to acknowledge that wickedness and darkness is, is around us. I, I was watching, this is off topic, but you're used to that. I was watching uh, a mini documentary about something that's going on in Denver, which is really a, it's, a, it's an incredibly liberal city. But there's a, there's a big, well, maybe it's not a big battle, but there's a, a church that's a 501c3 called the Church of Cannabis Marijuana. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, recognized, it's a recognized religion. And I thought some of the folks that have left Art Saints Network could branch out into that, you know, just already got whiskey established. They can just go on into cannabis. But they had some videos of, of this church. It's a big old church. I don't know what kind of church building it used to be, but they decorated it and got it all brought back up to speed. And they people of all, many denominations, many different uh, religions, they just come there and they smoke weed and they lay on the floor and they get revelation. It's the weirdest thing and the big battle right now is that the city government is trying to, to, in some ways, stop them. And they were interviewing the pastor of this church of cannabis. And he was saying, we don't understand why they're standing against us. This is a very liberal city. We really embody what they are, but they're coming against us. And they have this statue that lights up. Thank God you're not there, Nathan. This place would keep you busy all the time. Of course, with a little weed, it might be easier. I don't know. But... You know, they've got this, this, this really weird artistic thing that lights up, and the city wants them to get rid of that. But anyway, I, I think of that, and I think, at what point in my life did I ever think that in the good old U.S. of A, 
that would be such a major thing. And, and you know, and that, to me, I mean, as, as, as horrid as that is, and it is bad, that's kind of laughable concerning some of the other wickedness that's just openly being embraced in our country. I was talking about something that many of you may have seen about Canada, our neighbor to the north. We won't even talk about what's going on in Mexico. You can ask Yuwali about it when you see him this week. Yuwali's never been in a cartel, but, you know, well, the jury's out. <laughs> He's watching right now. Anyway, but there was this, there's this young man in high school in Canada. He's going to, I think, a Catholic school, a Christian school. And he had the audacity. Rose, can you believe this? The audacity to, in one of his classes, say that God created men and women and that that is just not negotiable. That's the Bible. Well, this Catholic school suspended him, told him he couldn't come back to class, and he, for whatever reason, tried to come back the next week to go to school, and the Canadian police were there to arrest him. So you, you think that this world is not going nutty? I mean, we have a lot in common with Jeremiah. And some of the things that we feel in that kind of an atmosphere, um, maybe we could call you the weeping prophet. I don't know. I, I, maybe I'd be called the angry prophet. I may be, but the, the, the confluence of emotional assessments in this, in this world um, are, are just predominantly influencing anyone who is dealing with what God um, wants to do from his throne as, as an intercessor. And um, I, I have good news, though, and that is that God knows the end from the beginning. The verse right before what we began to read in verse 10 said that there are many who prophesy falsely, and they, they do it in God's name, but God has not sent them. There are many Christian religious voices out there that um, are saying things that are supposedly Christian, but God hasn't sent them. We're living this today. And when I was a kid and you'd hear about this passage, these passages, we think, oh, how horrible it must have been to live in that. You know, I can't even imagine what was wrong with those Israelites that they would reject God and embrace these other things. I don't know if you ever thought that. I thought that as a kid, not being anti-Semitic, but I just would look at the Scripture and I would think, how could that be? Well, it makes a whole lot of more sense now. I see it happening all around us, don't you? And, and so we live in this time frame. But, verse 10, Thus says Yahweh, the plan of God is set out before the foundation of the world. God is not causing these things to happen. 
God recognized that in the framework of satanic rebellion that these things would happen. And you do realize that God is God allows a lot of things to go on. It's like in spiritual warfare. It's like in things that we pray about. And you think, well, why, why are we as Christians, why are we as saints praying about restoring what God wanted from the beginning? Why does God reveal his mysteries, but then let principalities and powers, let them be presented before them? Uh, why does God, um, why does God not just wipe the enemy out? Why is he, why is he partnering with us to see victory in this way? Because God, God is a loving God. He doesn't he will never let it be said that he is an autocrat that just doesn't um, uh, doesn't tolerate people actually knowing him or feeling him. And God God treated the angels in that way. Otherwise they wouldn't have been many of them wouldn't have been called sons of Elohim. You see the respect that that Gabriel and Michael and the, the other host of the angelic beings, uh, the way they, they move with God and the way they're devoted to him, it's not because they're afraid of him and if they don't do it, he rules by power and, and we're just going to get fried. It's, it's a love and a devotion. So God saw what enemy did and and he has chosen, because the enemy came against God's plan for you and me, for, for over the course of time, for God to show what it really means for humans to partner with him. He sent his son so that that, can, might, that might be uh, made possible in the new covenant. And, and so uh, you see these things and, and you think, well, how could God allow this? You know, how? How, this is all because people choose to serve the demonic rather than God. And at some point, probably in our day, we don't know the time. No one knows the time. We don't know how quickly this will be. We don't know how much longer God gives us. But the point, though, is that these are God's ways. I mean, over and over again, his long-suffering reaches out to mankind. Over and over again, people fall away, but then God keeps reaching out. And um, so here is Jeremiah talking about this heart of God, this plan of God, this, this over and over again, God extending his heart to people into this world. And um, I, I, I just believe, though, that we, with all of the things that we know technology, technology provides, we really are living in the last days. I know that so many generations have thought that, but I rejoin to say that for them, even when they thought it, there were things that, that the Bible says could happen that society would not afford, like no man can buy or sell. I mean, up, up until now, I mean, that really has not been possible on an earthly, on a worldwide basis. Now it is. You know, one of the things we're not hearing much about, there was a, 
Um, there, uh, Christy Nome from South uh, Dakota vetoed a legislation that was going to allow line South Dakota banking with this digital international bank. And she, she said no one even read this over a hundred page document, but we did, and I'm vetoing it. And that's before 20 other states right now in these good old US of A, one nation under God. You know, what do you think that is? You get out of line, Tammy, you have no more money. Nathan, we don't like what you are doing at church. You either stop going there or no more money. You won't be able to transact anything. That's here right now. The, the potential of that is here right now. Who knows how long it will be? Did you hear about the things that go on in, in Switzerland when the, the great poobahs of finance meet? They just met recently. And they're all talking about this. They're openly talking about it. It's, it's possible right now. So I know that that wasn't possible 40 years ago when we used to all marvel when visiting evangelists would come and they had that big picture of that massive computer in Belgium. And, Do you know, brothers and sisters, what they call this, the beast? And everybody goes, <gasps> now we have more power than that in our little cell phone. So back then, it couldn't have happened. Now... It can. I don't say that to put fear in anybody, but what I'm saying is if you want to talk about the days of Jeremiah, we're kind of facing them. <laughs> we sense these, uh, these many different spiritual influences, and um, I better get to the message here. Uh, even though uh, we say this, you know it's coming. It's only five minutes till 11, so I've got plenty of time to go. You're, you're Biological clock isn't going to get hungry. Well, maybe some of you are hungry right now. Um, but I'm going to keep going. Thus says Yahweh, God has a plan. After 70 years are accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you. Now that is an interesting word. I will visit you. Some of you have already begun to search out what that word is. It's, uh, it's a word that means that God is keeping track. He's managing what he has said he's going to do. And when the time comes that he is going to fulfill that, he comes. This word was used about the promise of God to Sarah, Abram's wife. And God visited her. And, of course, then a baby was soon to come. Same for Hannah, the great woman of grace and supplication. God visited her. And at that time, it was to fulfill what he said he was going to do and honor the partnership of the people. Uh, this word was also used on a number of positive occasions to describe the numbering of the people. It speaks about management, but remembering that God is supervising everything. Now, what was the difference between the, the numbering using this word and when Satan came to David and tempted him to number the people? That word for numbering 
is something that people do when they assess their wealth, when they are looking at things just to say, man, look what I've got, boy. Uh, it's a prideful kind of thing. And the enemy provoked David to do that, to really focus on what David had done and what the people under him had done when it was really God's spirit. So it was two different kinds of numberings. This kind of numbering is, is the sign that God is over all things, and when he gets ready to fulfill things, when he gets ready to bring an answer, that's this word. I know that we're at this moment. This seminar called The Presence is a visiting of God. About what? Many of the promises that he's given to you. Many of the things that he has shown you in vision over the years. Not all of them, because, you know, God's still going to be God in, in two years. It will never run out of promises that he's going to be fulfilling. But this whole gathering, it dawned on me very, very early this morning, before dawn. So it really didn't dawn on me. It, was a, it, was a, it pre-dawned on me. <laughs> that, that, that's what this was. In fact, I was praying about the presence of God. I was thinking about his, um, his goodness to us and the fact that he specifically said, um, I, I don't want you to call it his presence or the presence of God. I want you to call it the presence because this is the way I move. My face comes and I engage in partnership with my people. And it's just what is known throughout all of created, created uh, realm that when I move, I move this way. And my face comes and I will visit when it's time for me to do in my timing what my, my word has, has promised. And so I know this is a week of promise. I know we're being initiated into a number of things. I'm excited about the ways that God has laid out the agenda for this week. And I know that there are things that we've not even thought of yet that God's going to say, all right, here's a revelation, bring this. Um, God has brought this visiting, this presence, and it's time for things to be initiated in ways that have not been initiated because of the timetable of God. So it says here, thus says the Lord, or Yahweh, the one that, uh, that has everything planned, uh, everything that God has said is going to be exactly the way he says it. Um, Seventy years are coming, and when they accomplish what I want to accomplish, then I will visit you. I love this word. Just like Hannah was visited, just like Sarah was visited, and you can look up. That's a good message in itself. Don't do it right now, but you can look up. Well, some of you have already started. Um, you can look up all those the, the, the instances of that, of that word, and it always is a fulfilling of the promise. Why would God use this word at times to talk about numbering the people? Because he was coordinating the tribes. He was coordinating everybody and saying, look at what I've given. Look at what I've said. I want you to have this all fresh in your thinking so you can recognize who I am among you. And I'm telling you, this is what we're going to do from here forward. It's not our plan. 
It's his plan. And if there's one thing that I can say of each of you, we're only here. We're only in this place because we believe God has a plan. Certainly none of us in the natural would plan things this way. (laughs) Every way I was taught to plan as a pastor went out the stained glass window when God took over here. You know, yesterday, boy, what am I, I better, I better get to the word here, but yesterday I was praying, I was praying in the morning before I came over here, and this, you don't even have to listen, you can search the scripture right now for this one, I'll tell you when you can listen again, but for some reason, this guy that I really didn't like in Bible college, do you ever have somebody that you really don't like? You love them in the Lord, but you really don't like the way they are. It's not being critical of them. It's just, man, I, if, I can, if I can stay away from them, I will. I don't like this guy. Because it wasn't just that he was prideful. He was, he was a pastoral student just like me. But he was just cocky. And there's a lot of those guys around. Nobody in here. But there's a lot of those guys around. And so, I, and I yesterday I thought of him and and I thought why am I thinking of this guy I didn't want to think of him back then when I was in school why am I thinking of this guy so I just started praying blessing over him and um and I I I just looked up where he he pastors out in California and I just looked up the church and and I was praying over them and and I thought God, why are you bringing this guy to my thinking? I, it, is he, does he need healing? Do, do you want to visit that place? Do, uh, of course, God wants to visit, but what, what is the deal? So I prayed in the Spirit for a few minutes, and then as I emerged out of that, thankfully, I thought, they're doing the same thing that they did last year, that they did five years ago, that they did 10 years ago, and this guy is driven to build a massive church, and I bless that. But goodness, God has plans that are not our ways. And I, I believe that, you know, God, God needs the general church just like you need... Um, the GIs, the general infantry, you, you, you've got to have that. China sure has it. Um, you have to have people. Um, I remember, I am going to get to the Word. You still don't have to be listening. But when it's time to listen, I'm going to say, okay, listen, I'm going to send Rose around just to make sure that you're all listening. I see how she manages the boys, and I know she can do a good job on some of you. I, when I was in high school, there was a, uh, our, one of our history teachers was a guy named uh, Mazaroff, and he was a retired Marine colonel, and he had commanded troops. He was in World War II, but he commanded a lot of troops in the Korean War, and he would talk about how that, um, uh, he would talk about fighting the Chinese, because that's basically, you watch MASH, and you, you see a lot of times they speak about the North Koreans, but they speak about the Chinese. We were fighting China for a good portion of that war. And he talked about how discouraging it was for our troops because 
we would just obliterate, we would obliterate um, soldiers that were coming to battling against us. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, would come thousands upon thousands more of Chinese troops that you didn't even know where they came from. They, it was just an, it was a flood. And so he, he gave some warnings about, um, and we were studying this. We, we were studying the, uh, uh, the time between World War II and the Vietnam War. But he said, you, you, we have to understand, um, you have to understand what formed the basis of where we are in Vietnam right now. And, and so we were studying this. It wasn't that he was just picking on them. But he said, you know, there's a war coming. And he said, we, we are going to be in the middle of it just as America always is. And, uh, you know, after, after millions of people have died, there will still be millions of soldiers that will come and try to overrun us. And I thought, whoa, I still remember that. We called him Bullethead because he had that crisp hair, you know, cut, you know. And... Uh, but he was fascinating. I, I really enjoyed him. A lot of my other classmates didn't. They were all sleeping during class, which is a, wasn't a good thing to do with Mr. Mazaroff as your teacher. But anyway, you know, the thing, though, is, is that we're in this strange time frame, and we as saints have to keep our focus on what our call is as an intercessor, and we need to obey the Lord knowing and remembering what he has promised. And, and we, we need to recognize that God is the, the visiting is not just the time where he comes and brings fulfillment. The visiting is the fact that he's managing it all, and he's not losing track of anything. Mark touched on this a lot this morning in Sunday school, but he's, he's managing it all. And when it comes time for specific things that he's promised to be done, he comes onto the scene, and the answer is there. And this is, this is a phenomenal thing. And the, the tapestry of this whole passage that we read is over and over again, in different ways, God speaks about how he's watching over the things that he's partnered with you, and he will bring about what he's said. Well, he begins by this thing where Jeremiah says, you know what, this, this nation's going into captivity. Seventy years are going to be accomplished. That's a really interesting way to say it. And then God's going to visit, which says that it may look like things are haywire right now, but God's managing all of this. What he said he's going to do, he's going to do. And, um, and when it comes time, he's going to visit because he's managing it all, and at that point, he prophesied 70 years, and he's going to make it happen. He's going to make those things happen, because he's promised them. And, and only God could, could know that the way that the enemy infiltrated, the way that the Babylonian kingdom politically and religiously infiltrated, the way that all of these things converge, it's all going to work, so that God will visit at the perfect time. We're at that time in some ways for us. This presence seminar is a visit 
from the Lord, which is why so many of you last two weeks ago saw the presence of one of the operatives of the enemy, Beelzebub. And he, he seems to show up whenever God is initiating something that is going to accentuate the estemis because it's a threat to him. He was here regularly during those, that first year when we all changed. I know. I had to encounter that stinky fellow. And, and he's, just, he's just that. Jesus talked about him all through the Old Testament. Who do you think Baal is? I mean, this is not some crazy thing we found sketched out on a rock under the tree in the playground. This is the word. We just maybe not understand it. What did, I, what did Elijah face up there on the top of that mountain with Baal and Ashtaroth? Do you recognize what that is? Ashtaroth was supposedly the queen of heaven, also known as Ishtar. And somehow in the demonic realm, that entity coordinates with Baal. In mythology, they were married. Jezebel was a physical uh, manifestation of Ashtaroth because she was a virgin. That's what her name means, dedicated to Baal. So you've got workings in the Hestemis on this earth, and you've got connection into the heaven. You know, you see the queen of heaven in Jeremiah, and you see how God says, look, rain is withheld. Don't, don't even ask me about these people because they're offering these sacrifices to the queen of heaven. That was going on all the time throughout the word. And we're facing that today. You know, you read in the, in the book of Revelation about the, um, the woman uh, that John marveled at. And the angel said, why are you marveling at this? Because of the way the functionality of it is. This woman being drunk on the blood of the saints. Who do you think that is? You know, we believe the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. The enemy believes that too. He says he will be like the Most High. That was the days of Elijah. You want to know the days of Elijah? Well, that's what he faced. And we can often say, oh, I don't know, you know, he, he did this great thing. The rain came, you know, he outran the chariot, and then all of a sudden there was a word launched, and he was despondent. Read that. It's good reading sometime. And at the time when we're believing for the Elishas to come, we're in that time frame as well. Right now, Moses faced that same kind of thing. And, and so I'm not surprised that, you know, we, we recognize um, that the enemy is also very curious about what God, as he visits this place, is doing. Because <laughs> when God reveals his mysteries, it's in front of the principalities and powers. That's just how our fair God does things. The enemy will never be able to say that God didn't play fair. Sometimes I wish God was a little less fair, but then again, um, I'd have to be careful because he's been really fair with me, <laughs> and I don't want him to stop being fair in that regard. So God visits when it comes time, but that word really means that he's in it all along. It's not like he was away somewhere, not paying any attention. When he visits, he's been orchestrating, he's been watching, he's been with when the accomplished time comes, there it is. And again, look at it, maybe this afternoon. 
the promise to Sarah, the promise to Hannah, uh, and, and others. And when God visits, it's not just, oh, oh what are you doing, God? It's, it's the culmination of things that he'd promised, things that he'd said, things that God put in the heart. And, and so I love this. Um, I will visit you, and I will perform my tobe work. I will perform what my best purpose from the throne is. And, and this will be toward you, and it will allow you to return to Jerusalem. But then we come into this. This is that thing that I said, this verse that hangs on the wall at my house. It sounds so good, doesn't it? For I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Some of you may have this in your house. Maybe we don't recognize that it's in the context of <laughs> Babylonian captivity, spiritual warfare, God coming down, visiting. But he, he then comes into a personal way. He says, I know the thoughts, you know, that I have toward you, that I have toward you, says Yahweh. God not only has thoughts for the world and for the ongoing of his kingdom, but he has thoughts toward you. This word for thoughts is uh, creative in nature. It was what the spirit of wisdom gave to our old buddy Benaiah, who was that artisan that made the, 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 the instruments that were used to glorify God in the tabernacle of the temple. And, you know, I, I, I'm just amazed by that, that God has these thoughts toward you and toward me. Only God thinks that way. And, and then it says, I know the thoughts that I think. Think is a different word. Think is a word that means weaving things together, bringing things, lots of different influences, together. Do you, you do know that one of the ways we can get in trouble is focusing on the one thing, it's, if, unless it's the one thing of God. I mean, sometimes you, you have an influence that doesn't really seem that pleasant, but it's necessary to fulfill the overall, the overall recipe of what God is doing. And, and it's kind of like what, what, again, was spoken about in Sunday school regarding temptation. The, the onus of overcoming temptation is to keep going in God. If you, if you focus on something and lose track of the, of the overall plan of God, you're done. So, I love this. I know the thoughts, the creative ideals, ideals that Yahweh has for you that I weave together, that I think for you. If there's one thing that we need to remember during this time of visitation is that everything we've faced to this point has brought us to this point in the Lord. It's Romans 8. All things work together for good to those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. And, you know, I know that a number of you have faced things that, as your pastor, I hate that you face them. 
I mean, I just, now, I'm not talking about things that any of us may do that's our own fault, that we just didn't use common sense and we just were idiotous. I have to watch out using words because people tell me, you shouldn't say that word. Well, the Holy Spirit used that word, so I can say idiotous. I'm not talking about the things that we do that we think, what, what in the world did you do that for? But there are things that come that you think, why is this happening? Why is that happening? But yet God works those things out. You recognize how much nonsense did Abraham and Sarah have to go through before God visited her? How much, how much irritation did Hannah have to go through in a much shorter time frame before God visited her? The answer that came was glorious. But, you know, we have to remember and never forget that God has created this wonderful pathway for us, and he's with us through it all, and he has got his time frame, and, and it's going to happen the way he says it's going to happen. Now, what is this visitation this week for us as saints? Big portions of what we've been believing for are already initiated. God is already here. He's not waiting until Pastor Larry gets here to start. He, he, he sent Zach ahead so he could go ahead and start. Um, the presence of the Lord is already moving among us. The visitation of God is already moving. And a number of things, and hasn't God been telling us this just gently, kind of like trying to wake you up on Time Change Sunday? Okay, get up. You know, it's funny because, well, I better not talk about this. You know, I, had, I set an alarm today, but I never need an alarm. I, you know, I woke up plenty early. Some people will have the snooze thing, and it'll go off, and it'll go off, and it'll go off. My roommate in college was this way, and I, I'd finally say, get up already. What's up with you? But God has been kind of giving us a wake-up. Okay, I'm transitioning. Remember what that was about three years ago? I'm transitioning you. I'm turning the page in my timetable. Oh, okay, great. I don't know what that means. Okay, thank you, Lord. And, and over and over again over the years, he's just gradually been saying, okay, there's breakthrough coming. That's another one. Breakthrough. The the. The, the parats of God is here. Yes, Lord, thank you for that. Hasn't God been warning us about his visit? And now here he is. How many weeks has he been talking about the presence? My presence, my face. I'm, pray this way. I'm giving you five different, distinct, Monica referenced them today. We're praying those things. It was God saying, you know, I'm getting ready to come. Now, I don't, again, I don't know. I, I don't know what, what is going to be unlocked and how it's just going to be changed forever. Some of that's already happened. But the thoughts that Yahweh has for us and the thinking about how he's woven it all together is a glorious thing. And we're, we're experiencing that. Well, what kind of thoughts and thinks are those? Thoughts of peace. There's our old buddy, Shalom. 
God, whatever God sends out, it's going to come back in victory. As long as you stay on the path and don't get diverted. That's what that lead us not into temptation is. You know, make sure that we don't jump off track and start going after something that you don't want us in. If you're going through something, keep going through as long as it's of the Lord. And God is going to work things out for the good better than what we've known. Um, but thoughts of peace, whatever He promised, we're walking with the Prince of Peace. He's going to accomplish everything that He said. We we've got to trust that. Do we understand everything? No. Do we question God? I just don't understand why. What, what could this possibly be doing? to accentuate what you've promised. I don't know. I'm not God. Read Job sometime. He processes a lot of this. But yet, though he slays, yet will I trust. Oh, my goodness. Some of the stuff that I faced physically over the past few years. I look back on it now and I say, thank you, God. At the time, I said, what in the world is going on here? The end result is better than when it first began. That's God's promise for you. These are thoughts of peace, not of raw, to give you an expected end. And I love that word. That's, that's a word that we studied about regarding hope. Regarding hope in the Old Testament. We did a long study. Read the book. It's, it's, it's where God just weaves things together, and we that seed of faith, hope, it's the anchor of our soul. You know, that's, that's the word. Peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. God is intertwining all the things in the promise of hope, and it's going to be what he said. It's, it's going to be what he said, and better than what you thought or, whether, or, or what you imagined. Only God can do that. But it, but it goes on. Verse 12. Then you will call upon me. Call there is, again, a word that all you pneumatikites should know. Kara, Q-A-R-A. That's the partridge. That's you saying, God, this is not my burden. But you brought this to me, and I feel the leading to sit on this nest and cry out to you on behalf of this, because it's yours. That's what God's saying. Then, what is then? After 70 years, you're going to come back to this place, and at that point, I'm going to give you the opportunity to partner with my manucha again. The kara, which you should have been doing all this time. You lost track, but I haven't. Then you shall call, and you will go and palal. That's exactly what God covenanted with Solomon at the dedication of that temple. And you, you will go, and you will pray unto me, and I will listen. That's intercession. That's, that's what we, hopefully, haven't forgotten how to do. We continue to embrace what God's will is because that's our mission. 
Not my will but yours be done. I must be about my father's business. If there was ever a demonstration of Korah, it was Christ. And we're Christ-like, or supposed to be. It keeps going. I told you, this just keeps it just keeps evolving. It speaks first about the overall plan. Then it speaks about us as individuals. Then it speaks about our intercession. And now it speaks in verse 13 about our pursuit and our passion for him. Then, and you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. There's two factors here. First is seek. And this is a different word than search. Seek means to be diligent in your inquiry, in your, in your, uh, your, your request, your investigation. You want to know him. You want to know about him. You're seeking me. You're not seeking for that answer. I've been asking and I don't know where it is. I've had 50,000 prayer chains. I'm weighted down with prayer chains. No, this is seeking me, seeking God, seeking God himself. You're going to investigate me. You're going to be searching for my ways and my understandings. That's seeking me. <sighs> That's our heart's cry, isn't it? I'm I'm not asking God for anything. Really. I, I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He adds to me what I need. More than, more than what I need. We, our hearts cry from the very beginning of this walk. Inspired by the Spirit. Not by any sermon we heard. Inspired by the Spirit was to go before the Father and to know him. Isn't that what your cry has been? You'll seek me and find me. When you search for me with your heart, with all your heart, what's that mean? That word search means, you'll love this, it means to be incessant, to pursue something, a pathway to fulfillment. And I love that it's lined up with your heart, the steering wheel of your life. So you want to know God, but whatever the direction of your physical, spiritual, mental, emotional life is, that heart, that course of action, you're, you're making sure that stays on course. <laughs> this is glorious. You're going to investigate and learn of me, and you're going to make sure that the things you learn, that's the course of your heart. And when you do that with all of your heart, I'm with you. You're, you're, going, to, you're going to find me. That's the, that's the unique thing about you seek for me, and you shall seek for me and find when you search for me with all your heart, and I will be found. You're going to seek me, and you're going to find. And when you search with all your heart, I will be found. 
It's really the same thing, but it's two different factors. One is your pursuit of knowing God and then applying. Tell me if you've heard this before in 50 other ways. Applying what he shows you in partnership with him and you devote your heart to it and you'll find what he has promised. So this beautiful snippet from Jeremiah is at a terrible time in the history of Israel. Um, but it's the process of God. Look at, look at that again. God's got an overall plan. Um, and you uh, have to know that he's, he doesn't ever lose track of it. Uh, at, at the time when he says, it's my moment, he visits. And, and it will be what he says. The thoughts and the think of God are released to us for exploits, for incredible things. You know, one of the ways the enemy has come against the saints over the years, and it's changed now, we need to be wary of it, is, is, the, is the constant struggle that when people start getting insights, then they get big-headed, and they, it's kind of like the 250 princes that came to Moses, or when Aaron and, and uh, Miriam came, came against Moses. What did God say about that? And, you know, th there was always that grappling that the enemy would try to infuse about insights and, you know, whether people are getting the, the proper uh, applause or, no or notoriety. And we lost people over the years because they, for whatever reason, in some way, uh, in regard to that, the enemy filled them with pride or filled them with jealousy or filled them with competition, and off they'd go. But the tapestry of God, you recognize that you, you have to have that pneumatikos principle that Paul wrote about to the Corinthians where many people are receiving from God in pneumatikos ways, but they all submit to the structure of the Lord. This tapestry of the Lord is something that God is, is doing and, and has to happen. This week we're going to see um, a number of revelations that are coming from sources other than me. And, and I don't have any problem with that. I think that's wonderful. Um, and, um, and I think that's a major step moving forward. Uh, I, I think that as, as we see the kingdom move into various nations, we need this anointing um, for, for many different people to gain words, not borrowed from somebody else, not read some other place and trying to integrate it in, that God is speaking, but yet we can all flow together without any point of conflict or competition.
you know, you watch this in sports. I, I watch it here in, in Dallas. I, I, I don't really care as much about sports anymore because I recognize that at my age, how many teams I invested myself into, those guys, so many of them are, are, are old and crotchety now, or a lot of them are dead. I watch a lot of my, uh, I, I hear about people that I thought were just the greatest thing, and now they're, they're in the ground. And I think, you know, it just all comes and goes. But right now, the, the Mavericks have two superstars on their team, but they can't win. What do you do with that? I mean, you, you've got to have every, you've got to have a team. You, you don't win with just one superstar. You just don't. Even Wilt Chamberlain didn't. So we, one of the things that I believe, I pray that God will give us the grace to accept pneumatikos revelation throughout the flow of the network and for people to receive that as a gift from God and not become big-headed or competitive with it or to try to say, well, I'm the only one. You didn't say anything about, you know, we've got to have this flow. And I think if you notice what's going to happen this week is that there are incredible revelations that are going to be being brought forth through the week. Some of them are going to come from your pastor. Others are going to come from others. Ways that the Spirit is moving, and, and it just blesses me. It, it just blesses me, and it should bless. Um, I, um, if we can agree on one thing, and I'm, I'm, I'm closing now even though it's just 1130. Um, if we can agree on one thing this week, that as God visits, as the presence is manifested, that we would all step into the new thing that God is doing, and that we will be wise but that we will rejoice in every new thing we see that God is doing, that we would embrace it like the fulfillment of, uh, of what God promised to Abram, what God promised to Hannah, what God promised to, to the kings that, that God visited. Um, this is a week of visitation, this week of the presence. This is, to me, Every one of these facets that we read about in Jeremiah, God is promoting us, every one of them, into new dimensions of him. The first is what it means for us globally as a saints network. We need to rejoice at that visitation. And at all these ones that, that, that uh, Jeremiah speaks about, this is just the ways of God. The overall plan the individual plan, the, the, the measure of partnering with God on behalf of what God wants as an intercessor on this earth, the, the ongoing pursuit of knowing him and learning of him and, um, and going forth as the Spirit directs that pathway. Every one of these, we, we are being led into a new dimension in God. And we need to notice them, and we need to give him thanks for them as we see them this week.
and we need to proclaim forward not just uh, the impetus that's happening here as we gather as saints, but how this is going to manifest in South America, how it's going to manifest in, in Europe, how's it going to manifest in the other places that God's going to open this year. The time is short. We need this. Father, I thank you. I sense your spirit so strongly here, and I, I'm just, I, I could just keep talking and prophesying these things, but there's a time to close, and I probably passed that a long time ago. But I pray, Father, that we will partner with you this week. You've led us to this point. We welcome the presence of our God. We welcome your visitation, and we ask that you would, would be upon every step of your promotion that is commensurate with this visitation, that we would not miss one area of acceptance and establishing what you're leading us into. I speak blessing over your people. It's already been proclaimed today and prophesied today. We thank you for that. But I speak blessing over this congregation, those that are traveling today, as those dear ones from Arizona are loading up the truck and moving east. Uh, watch over them. As Robert Fulton is flying in in, in a day, as Faladin has already arrived, others are coming. Watch over them all. Let us have a glorious time in you. We love you, Father. Thank you for giving us this privilege. Help us to take full advantage of what you are, who you are, how you are, the way you are. We love you, Father. And we ask all of this in the, in the name of the one who's made it all possible, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 God bless you all. Thanks. Uh, it's going to be a great week. See you.